Hey, Joe, Jason here. Just listening to your latest episode, and now I'm worried that I'm not going to be able to live up to your awesome GMing with this um, Barbarians Lemuria game. You know, we're, we're running three sessions because Eric's time is a little bit limited, and that's all he could definitely commit to. So, yeah, if you felt crunched fitting something into 10 to 12 sessions, uh, imagine setting up something for three sessions which I'm sure you've done stuff like that in the past, so you know what it's like. But, yeah, so I'm really condensing things as far as what I want to do. But it ought to be fun. I'm looking forward to it. But, yeah, your adventure sounds great. I'm glad the game is going well. It's very, very cool. And, um, you know, I can say as Andy really nailed it, the, the times you've been in my games, you've you've definitely been one of the MVP players without a doubt. So talk to you soon. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Hindsightless, the no longer sporadic podcast where I talk about life, role-playing games, or whatever else might be running around inside of my head. But mostly role-playing games, I promise. That was Jason at the top of the show there talking about his game of Barbarians of Lemuria that I got to play in. I actually played in three role-playing games this weekend, which for me is a ton. (laughs) That's a lot of role-playing games. My good friend Jules from Jules from NZ, she actually played the other day in three role-playing games in one day. (laughs) So what the hell am I even talking about a lot of games? But anyway, folks, I want to talk about the three games I played in. And uh, yeah, that's it. So let's get into it. But before that, before that, I got a call in from the awesome, incredible, creative Logan Howard. So Logan, what's up, dog? Hey, Joe, this is Logan. And I had a super time listening to your last episode. I really like hearing about your game. Especially, I thought it was interesting how you kept saying that something was just for you. And I thought, that's really interesting to think of it that way because I think when we come up with settings we can't help our minds from wandering and coming up with all sorts of little details that will probably never get discovered and maybe that's what a lot of us anchorites are really doing is finding some way to to put some of those things somewhere (laughs) since they will never be discovered otherwise anyway have a good one Dude, Logan, only you would come up with an even more creative and better reason to do the podcast, man. Like, you made it sound that's so profound. That was awesome. I've never thought about it that way before. But, yeah, that's what we're doing. That's what I'm doing, at least. You know, if I had infinite time and, you know, could run eight-hour sessions you know, maybe twice a week, I could get through everything in, I don't know, probably five years, (laughs) but even longer because I would keep coming up with stuff. Oh, dude. Yeah, for sure. But that's why I do it. I love it. I, that's my favorite thing about running games is coming up with the world and cool stuff. Even if it's, I know we're not going to get to it, but thank you for the call. It's always, always awesome to hear from you. And yeah, I saw you just put out a new episode, so I'm going to go listen to that. (laughs) 
I'll talk about the games I played in chronological order, I guess. That makes the most sense. Uh, so yeah, I'll start with the Rise of the Rune Lords game that I haven't talked about for a while. We are into book six. We've had about two sessions of book six, which is the last book. And it's been pretty, pretty fun so far. I enjoy book six. I wasn't a huge fan of book five. I got... I got really tired of being in Runeforge. I was just it just felt so repetitive. Go down a little mini dungeon, fight the boss, go back. There was like nine of those all in a row. I don't know. It just felt yeah, I wasn't super into book five. But book six has been pretty fun so far. Um we stumbled across a super spooky, fun, haunted cabin. Uh, fought some ghosts, made friends with the ghost who gave us a secret magic map that will take us to the towers, the spires of Zen Zenshala or something like that. I don't know. It's a cool name. I like it. But yeah, so we hiked, uh, we followed the map and made our way there and were told by the ghost that we would have to fast for three or four days uh, before we could enter by the light of the full moon. And so, yeah, we just started waiting and fasting. And eventually we were jumped by a bunch of yetis, but we're sort of helped out by an awesome, super sexy nymph. Um, she was bummed out because her, her home area had been kind of corrupted and taken over with all this evil radiating from the spires of Zenshala. I don't know how to say it. <laughs> but so we told her we'd help her out, and she she gave us a token of her appreciation, uh, which gives some bonuses and stuff. She was really cool. She wasn't into old Dion Farmer. Dion Farmer tried, but she went with a person with the highest charisma. Ain't that always the way with nymphs? <laughs> anyway, it was fun. Uh, I, I'm just super excited to actually finish up an adventure path. Um, we're not playing the next week because one of the players is going to be out, which is a shame, but those, uh, those of us that are going to be around are going to get together and talk about the characters we're playing for the next adventure path we're going to play, which will be the next adventure path, uh, Curse of the Crimson Throne, which I am more excited about. Rise of the Rune Lords is cool. And granted, I'm not finished yet, but, you know, it gets a ton, a ton of hype. And I, most of it is because it was, you know, Paizo's first official Adventure Path release. Well, whatever, you know, for the Pathfinder game, not Paizo's first as a company, because they used to write for D&D, Wizards of the Coast. But yeah, uh, it, it's okay. It's not great. You can definitely tell it was their first go at it. Uh, and yeah, I don't know. It's all right. I am excited to be done with it, though. And I'm really looking forward to Crimson Throne. It seems uh, like it's going to be fun and lead to more role-playing opportunities because the adventure path uh, and most adventure paths for Paizo, they also put out a player's guide for that adventure path. It's a short little 10 to 12 page booklet that you can read through, gives you ideas for characters, how to tie your characters into the campaign, gives you an idea of the campaign setting, and they're usually really cool. So 
I've I've read through that about infinity times now, and I've only made four characters for it so far. No, just kidding. I do have two characters that I'm really interested in playing, and it sort of depends on what the rest of the group is going to play. So, yeah, we'll see how it goes. But I can't wait to be done with book six of Rise of the Rune Lords and get on to Curse of the Crimson Throne. All right, let's talk about the next game. The next game I played in was the game that Jason mentioned at the top of the show. His game that he's running of Barbarians of Lemuria. And that system, this was really my first attempt at playing it. The very first time I played it, I got wasted. It was the last time I'd been drunk. I was super excited about playing because I was playing with a bunch of really awesome people. So I got a little carried away and I don't remember really anything about the system itself. So this was my first real go at playing it, at learning the rules. Um, and I really like it. I think it's a really fun system. Super easy to learn, super easy to play. You can build a character in five minutes if you want to. Um, it, it's got enough crunchy bits in there, enough character options to keep me interested for at least a little while, I'm sure. Cause you can do a lot of different things with it. Uh, the way they have character creation set up where you, you have four, four attributes. You have strength, agility, mind, and appeal, and you have four, apparently you have four phone calls. Because I got cut off in the middle of recording with some actual work. <laughs> Funny how that happens on a work day. But yeah, so you have four ability scores, like I said. And you had four combat skills, which are uh, ranged, melee, initiative, and defense. And so in each set of four attributes or combat skills, you have four points to spend. And you could put any number between zero and four. There might be a limit of three for starting characters. I forget either three or four. And that's how you build a character. Then you pick a couple boons, maybe a couple flaws. Boom, done and done. Really cool. I like it a lot. Oh, you also pick four careers. There's a list of careers in the back. They're all pretty generic on purpose. So there's a lot of room to wiggle around in there. And that's it. That's that's the character, and you're good to go, and it's fun. I like it. The skill system is cool because if you have a skill that you can relate to one of your uh, prof your careers, one of your professions, you can petition the dungeon master to uh, you know give you advantage on the roll, which is awesome. <laughs> but yeah, so it was a really fun game. Had a blast. Jason did a great job. He talks about it on his show, Nerds RPG Variety Cast. So if you want to hear about the actual game, go over there, check it out. Super fun. But yeah, played with a good group of guys. And like I said, it's just, yeah, it's, I'm rambling here. I'm going to stop. It's a good game, good system. It's, I'm going to run it eventually someday because it seems fun. All right, next game. The third and final game of the week was the Rat Hack. Uh, yeah, back at it again. Uh, this is one of the off weeks when the witch wasn't there. But so, yeah, they a week had passed. I had 
had a time skip of a week. There had been two more murders in the town by that mysterious, top-hatted, coat-tailed, murderous bastard. Uh, but no one had been able to catch them. And so we started off the game. Each of the players talked about what they had been doing over the week. Uh, spent a little time with their basically their mentor now. So Marcin, the rogue, was with Leoden, who also is basically a rogue sort of assassin. She works for Mr. Walker, who is the head of the Darkwood Exploration Company. And so Marcin, the rogue, has been training with her, and they're sort of dating in a relationship which is awesome. I love it. I cuz apparently I can't run a game without there being some romance, dude, some amore. We need more of that, so I put it in there. Anyway, um we saw a little bit of Bartholomew and Modon fighting and Modon had some information to share with Bartholomew cuz he was asking questions. He was talking to Modon about all the strange shit that he's seen lately and weird magic and hearing tales of a dark magus. And so Modon told Bartholomew that there is a old legend that in ancient days, uh, a thing called doorway cave was opened and out spewed nightmares and the dark magus and a dark time came over the land and you know basically told him the legend that they had also seen in the book that they had found the previous session just sort of reinforcing it you know always a good technique show him a thing what i i forget how that expression goes i've heard some of my professors say it you show a thing tell a thing then show it again something anyway um but yeah so it seemed that they were starting to, uh, Bartholomew was kind of putting together that, oh wait, the book said a realm of nightmare gemstone, all these rippers have had gemstone eyes, maybe there's a connection there. So that was good. And then we flashed over to uh, Rosie, who was in the temple of Aramid, Rosie the Cleric. Uh, was training with Nynaeve Potter, the head priestess of the Temple of Aramid, and they were practicing, you know, concentrating and making her channels more and more better. And we so we saw a little bit of that in a weird secret room. We saw, and finally we saw a little bit of Millie, the sorcerer. She was down in the basement with Mr. Walker, uh, and they had been practicing magic and everything. And Mr. Walker was really trying to get some information out of Millie about what they actually found out at the ruins. Because Millie hasn't come clean yet about finding the magic books. And so Mr. Walker is pretty damn sure that Millie's holding something back. But, you know, that's okay. That's her prerogative. No harm, no foul. And that's where, um, and that was the first part of the session, uh, which is always really fun. I love that character exploration. Plus, there was a lot of interaction between the characters because Marcin, Bartholomew, and Rosie 
also had been studying the teamwork feat book, Wolf and Lion, the magic book they had found to get an extra feat. So now those three have a new teamwork feat called Precise Strike, which if they're flanking deals an extra D6 of sneak attack damage, basically, even if you're not a rogue, as long as the person you're flanking with also has that feat, which that's that's pretty awesome. That's a pretty dope feat. And yeah, so <clears throat> during the training, Millie showed up, but then Watch Captain, um, the Watch Captain showed up and she was like, hey, our... The watch here is exhausted. There's been two more murders in town. Can you four just please do watch tonight? You know, do us a favor. She was kind of snarky at first because she was pissed and tired, but she mellowed out. And so they agreed to do watch and they finished up their deals. They went shopping. They bought some new equipment uh, because they've gotten some money. So they, you know... Got a little better weapons, better armor, uh, leveled up their gear a little bit. That's always fun. And then they went out on patrol. And, yeah, they decided that they were going to patrol inside of the city walls first instead of outside. So as they were creeping, I asked for a perception check, and everybody rolled like nat 20. (laughs) I think there was... Yeah, I think back-to-back nat 20s, maybe. Maybe that was like a perception and a stealth check. I don't know. It was crazy. It was awesome. But so they came upon the scene. A dimly lit street. A bloody victim laid out. A small top-hatted figure crouched above him. The smell of burned hair and burnt flesh and fresh blood all permeating the atmosphere and boom sprang into action and holy shit that was a fun fight spring jack is awesome super fun monster um he just got some really awesome abilities so he can jump without jump 20 feet without provoking attacks of opportunity so he would just jump away hide and then sneak up on him and stab him in the back. And then they try and hit him and he'd get out of there again. It was a really fun fight. Moved all over the place. Stabbed everybody a couple times. But they finally took down old spring Jack. With a couple well-placed magic missile bolts to the chest. Zap, zap from Millie. Uh, dropped him. His topaz eyes. They harvested, or not topaz, they were amethyst eyes, which another one of spring Jack's really cool abilities that the players fucking hated <laughs> was his frightful gaze ability. So if you get within 10 feet of soul spring Jack and he looks at you, it's a will saving throw. And if you fail, you are panicked, which there are three stages of fear in Pathfinder. There is shaken, frightened, and panicked. This one sends you straight to panicked for a D6 rounds, which means you drop everything in your hands and you GTFO as fast as you can. (laughs) And yeah, it was a bummer because Rosie on her first turn failed the save. Luckily, though, on a D6, rolled a two. So that was good. Um, and then, but on one of her later turns, 
Got too close again. Failed the save. This time rolled a six. And that was the end of her for the fight. So that sucked. She was just running. Luckily, the fight didn't last too much longer after that. That was towards towards the end. But they didn't know that, you know. That was just, yeah, that's one of those abilities that you love in theory but isn't the best in practice. Because being forced to run away is probably no fun. But anyway, they won the fight. And they discovered a um, piece of parchment on him. Um written on leather in silver spidery script. Someone did a knowledge nature check, rolled like another not 20 or something, found out it was written on halfling skin. So that was really fun and gross. But that's where we ended the session. They found this note. They don't know what language it's in. It's written in ha- written on halfling flesh that rules. And that was it. Those were my three games. So anyway, folks, thanks for thanks for listening. Thanks for the calls, Logan and Jason. Super awesome. Uh, and yeah, until next time, folks. Peace out. Damn, sometimes my house sounds super spooky. Dudes, could you guys hear the crows in the wind chimes? In the wind? (laughs) Anyway, sorry. I just had to record that. I don't know why, but it's awesome.